Most people think time is a linear progression of cause and effect, but it's actually more of a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. I'm Kelsey. And tonight we're going straight into the second time that we're going to be discussing the episode Blink. This is from the third season. And uh, also just as a sort of general news before we dive into this, we will be taking a three-week-long hiatus after this episode. Yes, we were going to go with Bad Wolf and the Parting of Ways this week, but unfortunately, um, we're going to wait till the three-week adventure that you two are going on, that would be Shelby and Kelsey, uh, is over, so that way we can do them one at a time. Yeah, we don't want to have a three-week gap between a two-parter, that would be pretty mean. <laughs> yeah, so we went back, we decided to go back and re-watch Blink and have a few more opinions on it. All right, so here we come in with uh, Doctor Number 10, David Tennant era. And the first appearance of the Weeping Angels. Of course, this episode was written by Stephen Moffat, who created some of the most phenomenal creatures of all time, as well as great character development and writing. He also created some of the most phenomenal episodes, because we just recently did The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances, so this kind of works well, uh, coming right on the heels of those two episodes. This also won the Hugo Award, which is the prestigious sci-fi award from America um, for Best Dramatic Presentation on any television show for the year that it came out, 2007. So, um, just to give a little bit of background, but I think the most important character in this story isn't even the Doctor or Martha Jones, who's the companion. It would have to be Sally Sparrow, who is played by none other than Carrie Mulligan who, of course, has gone on to win an Oscar. Good for Carrie. And, you know, she could, she could have earned it from this episode. I think yeah, she was phenomenal. Throughout, and I'm honestly really carried the story and what was our constant link from beginning to end. Yeah, I just keep thinking about how weird it must have been, like, when this episode actually aired, because you were expecting it to be a Doctor Who episode, and really, like... The Doctor's barely in Yeah. Name. Well, it's a doc. It's known as what's, or what a lot of Doctor Who fans call a Doctor Light episode. It also two. was a companion light episode, so it was a. Yes. But is double she a enemy. companion because she was in the TARDIS? She did not travel off not the world the in doctor. the TARDIS, which is some people's definition of it. But if you guys are curious about how we really feel about that, Michael and I did a podcast called What Makes a Companion, (laughs) where we discuss what qualifies. (laughs) Well, I would definitely say that Sally Sparrow does not qualify. Not only does she not go off in the TARDIS, but she really doesn't even have a relationship with the Doctor at all. So it would be kind of hard to really make 
make her a companion. Other yeah. than the fact that this is her own show, it's mostly this is the Sally Sparrow show. Well, it might be just like the enemies here, abstract. It's more of an abstract relationship. <laughs> not, that it's, not that it's really uh, a lot of based on a lot of shared time together. Um, but, you know, transcripts throughout history and a mental obsession for a little over a year. I mean, if we count the whole span of time over which they spoke, it was a very long time. 40-year <laughs> relationship. So we have to go too timey-wimey for my tastes. <laughs> we do have, well, talking about timey-wimey, we do have to kind of explain the, the beginning where she has her friend, um, what's her friend's name? Kathy. Uh, Kathy Nightingale. Yep. Um, Kathy Nightingale, of course, is thrown back in time thanks to the Weeping Angels after they go to this rather creepy, haunted-looking house. Um, I can't recall the name of it. Drum, something Drumlins. It was yeah. awfully like Drumlins. Western Drumlins? Western Drumlins. Um, and, uh, and so she, of course, Sally Sparrow gets this note or this letter from this guy that happens to be Kathy's grandchild. Presumably. Presumably. Yeah. And poor guy, I mean, he, he waited 20 years to give this letter and then Sally just like, is like, you're, this is a sick joke and like runs off. I mean, she must have been like. <laughs> I can't believe this was real, and I can't believe what's going on. I just gotta get out what's, of here. What's more amazing to me is that you know she, he sees her like drop the letter and kind of run upstairs, and he he picks it up and places it down nicely with definitely not enough time to really read that whole letter he's been stashing for a long time, and he's just running out the door. Yeah, right he like him. totally respected his grandmother's privacy. I mean, my goodness. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe he had a warning or two. Who as well. And his grandmother also had a brother who was also featured quite a bit in this. And um, Larry Nightingale. Yep, Larry Nightingale. Lawrence. And uh, he had he had this cool DVD shop that um, any geek would have been fallen in love with, especially if you were from the 1990s. <laughs> and uh, but um, I I really have to put a shout out to the, the store clerk that you see at the beginning. <laughs> he was he was actually kind of one of the funny characters in this one. Oh yeah. I mean I love that moment where he was just like yelling at the TV like, Go to the police, you dumb woman, why does no one ever go to the police? And Sally's like, hmm, maybe I should go to the police. <laughs> and of course that uh, leads us to Billy Shipton, who can't take his eyes off of Sally. But can take his eyes off the weeping angels. <laughs> Bad idea. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> but I have to say, everybody that, that Weeping Angels like sends back in time, like finds a love of their life. So it's like, are they really that bad? Maybe they just are helping people connect through time. Right, right. And I, I mean, I, I'm surprised no one like explicitly profited, you know, off of this knowledge of the future. It didn't seem to happen. Yeah, why well, well, did the future do, come out by that point? I do <laughs> understand, you know, why uh, the police officer didn't. Yeah, because the doctor like was there. He had a lot of ample warnings from the doctor about destroying two-thirds of the universe. So that that might uh, hold heavy on Yeah, but what was Kathy doing, man? Right, but Kathy was there before. She was the, she was the original OG. You know, props to her. I mean, um, she could have prepared people for World War II and stuff. It's a lot that could have happened. Well, what could have what could have been is that the doctor may have actually gone back in time after he'd gone through the whole spiel with Sally Sparrow because he knew now that he had to go make sure that Kathy Nightingale knew what to do. Also, who threw the rock? The angel. Why would the angel throw a rock to warn her? I don't think it was to warn her. I think it was to knock her out. Yeah, I think it was to... Because so she, she was getting, a, she was uncovering a warning in that moment, too. 
That just seems stupid. Like, yeah. Those poor, poor... But the Weeping Angels in general are very creepy monsters. Yeah. Yeah, pretty epic villain, you know, that feeds off of potential energy from people's futures, but seems to yield just as much energy in the past some, some way. So, very mysterious kind of creatures who literally do not really seem to exist, you know, unless they're being observed by... No, they're not being observed. Right, right, when they're not being observed by something conscious, at least in our plane. Or they just become statues. Why wouldn't you just make, like, fill the house with mirrors then? Because anytime they walk around them, can't they freeze themselves? Or is that a... No, 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 no. That, that, that's totally a thing. Yeah, that seems like the way that you should do it. <laughs> Wear reflective clothing, and get everything shiny, high gloss. Make sure you have lots of mirrors. Wear, like, big sunglasses with the... Oh, yeah, the mirrored sunglasses. Yeah. It's kind of got a little bit of a throwback to Medusa. I know, I was thinking mm, that. Good point. <laughs> I kind of want to go back to Billy Shipton for a moment, talk about that scene where, like, he meets her as an old man, and he's just like... And we find out the doctors not only told him the day he's going to die, but, like, the approximate time. And he's just sitting there being like, yep, I've been waiting for this day where I could see you again. And then when the rain stops, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I feel like I would actively avoid her then. Like, Well, I mean, they said it had to be that day or whatever. But, I mean, like, what a horrifying... Uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I, think, I think it was really used to portray that he had a great, worthwhile life, you know, and that he he also felt a lot of meaning behind what he was doing there. You know, clearly it's been brought to him and really uh, drilled into his mind that he's helping potentially save the universe. Here. Oh, no, I, mean, I get all of that. I just feel like it was cruel to tell him when he was going to die. But is it so bad to know? Like, then you know all the days you're not going to die, and you can, like, just relax and have fun and maybe even... Do some crazy stuff that you wouldn't have tried because you know you're not going to die for another 40 years. I mean, it certainly seemed to work out. Yeah, I guess that's true. Repair, like, have all your stuff in order. and I mean, like, I think that, I mean, it'd be bad if you found out, like, oh, you're going to die at the age of, like, 28, which is in three days. Like, that would, that would suck. But it's like, oh, you're going to live to be, like, 85, have a wonderful, fulfilling life, and then you're going to die peacefully in bed, like, next to a beautiful woman, you know? I mean, it's three like, days or so 300 bad. years, you want to prepare for yourself and for your family. So I, I think it'd be a blessing. But At that age, but yeah. If I, although, if I found out, like, oh, I'm going to die in a week, like... Do you want to go to work for that whole week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raging. Spend uh, 14 hours on a plane flight, maybe 18? Yeah, spend all my money and buy some, do some fun stuff. I, I, I realize there's a lot of, of thought that you can have with this particular episode and the fact, and the fact that there's all, all the conversations we've been having, you can just kind of dive into what if or why and all these kinds of things. But I think when it comes down to it with this particular episode, I think the, I, the, the emphasis typically is more on the progression of things happening to Scottie Sparrow. And obviously there are a little, a couple of holes in the concept of Weeping Angels because, like you said, it may not be as scary. But, I mean, if you're whipped back into time where you don't know anybody and you have no clue how to get anywhere, you have no money, you have no way of doing anything, I mean, I think that would be scary in of itself. It just so happens that Kathy ended up meeting the person that she needed to meet at the right time. Yeah, it sounds I, I like too there's a there's a spatial component too, right? It's not yeah. it's not just time and it takes you some distance. 
I mean, you could uh, end up drowning in an ocean. You could end up falling from the sky, presumably, or being stuck between, you know, a wall. Yeah, and I think also people sort of like, you know, because they're back in that time, they end up finding the person they end up marrying. I mean, fortunately for the people who got thrown back in this episode, none of them were already married. So there wasn't like an issue of, uh, I can't start a new life here because I have a life. Or... Well, I mean, that didn't stop the woman in Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows for sure that cop certainly seemed like a player. Maybe he had a few different things going on in different eras. <laughs> yeah. But although you would think, like, if the angels had control over where they could send people, they would want to send people back far enough that they couldn't warn themselves or other people about the angels. Like, why wouldn't you shoot them back to, like, ancient Egypt or something like really far back so that they could have no way of impacting. Maybe it takes more energy to send them farther. Mm. I don't know. It's timey-wimey. I have to give a shout out to the camera work that they used for the Weeping Angels because they did it very differently. It's not that we as people saw them move because the idea, the concept I think was that if we're watching them too on the screen, it's less likely that we're going to see them actually move. Instead, we see when the lights go out, when they come back on, then they've moved. Oh, yeah. So much creepier that way, too. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. But that was what I was pointing that out. Because I think the direction of this episode was spot on. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the only thing that I would say was a little bit jarring was when they were shaking the TARDIS, and that looked pretty silly. But everything else about it was pretty phenomenal looking. Yeah, this, this director certainly had to go to a rave or two in these days. You know, with the blinking lights and the dancing. <laughs> it, was, it was all on point. I think if you just played some really, you know, loud house music, it would have been a much different vibe. Much more happy and upbeat episode. But oh my gosh, we could you imagine there. a weeping angel breaking into a club? That would be an episode. <laughs> They'd be stunned the whole time. There's so many people in the club. Good point. The, the, but the lights would be off in our mid Big lights flashing. Yeah, yeah why don't they just go into movie theaters and come up behind people and grab them? Well, it would probably take some while to get there, but yeah. The overall look that they have also once they've removed But when they're sleeping their hands, when they move their hands away from their face and they have those elongated gargoyle-esque kind of things. Oh, yeah, and they've kind of got that creepy smile or the, you know, big old teeth. Exactly. I think that that was also a very, very good design for them. It seems like they have, like, some retractable claws, too. And, you know, some, uh, <laughs> some fangs as well. They, they can really uh, evolve, you know, in the right moment in just the blink of an eye. Oh, my. The videotape was also kind of a really interesting component of, you know, as you're watching and throughout the episode, there seems to be, like, times where Sally's conversing with the doctor, but then, like, you eventually get to the one that's, like, the real conversation, but it's still dependent on the previous things. It's, uh, it was kind of a cool little thing. Yeah, well, it, it kind of takes you out, it, 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 almost breaking the fourth wall in a sense because it's like putting the doctor on the DVD for the audience that is actually in the episode. Well, the, and I wonder how they like like filmed that scene. Like, did they actually have him record it beforehand and then her interact with it, I wonder? Or was he like live and they just like live streamed it in so that the actors could play off each other? I don't know. I mean, they definitely you know, would have practiced it. I mean, his pauses had to be the right length for her to say her thing as well. Yeah, so that's why I'm wondering, like, did she just have a video of him and then she had to play off of it? Or were they, like, live, like, 
interacting and they just made yeah. it look like he was... I would say even if they weren't both in the same place at the same time, they were, like, reading lines with another person. Yeah, but like still, like, get all flow. the pauses, like, yeah. completely... I mean, they must have practiced it a lot if they didn't do it, you know? It really... I mean, they did a phenomenal job with that part of it. Yeah. I would have to say. Well, it's come to the ratings part of this, and I'm going to do something a little different because I've already rated this. So I'm already going to tell everybody that I've already rated this a 10 out of 10. So we're going on to Colin. Whoa, whoa. Michael rated first. Oh my goodness. Well, seriously, we must have gone through some time traveling in this very (laughs) podcast of ours. But I will surge forward. (laughs) <laughs> as, as we humans like to think time moves in a linear sense. <laughs> well, for this human, this was a phenomenal episode. I, I really liked it. It's a hook. It is a nice standalone for us to visit, um, you know, apart from other seasons where, where we were. You didn't really need a good sense. You didn't need to know who Martha was. You didn't really need to know that this doctor is a different doctor from where what we may have may or may have not seen, you know, before. Um, but you get a really gripping, really interesting set of villains here. That's um, bringing up a whole new plot and conversation between different timelines and a new, you know, mental trick for the Doctor to um, kind of go throughout. I, I'm, I'd be really interested just to see on the back end how much time they actually did spend back there in the 60s with Martha working in a shop and the Doctor using his schemes and creating new inventions. Um, but not only was this fun, interesting, I, I think it could really serve as its own movie. Um, kind of did function that way in, in and of itself, but um, kind of had some horror aspects. You know, it was fun. Um, this was a solid episode for me. I'm hesitant to give it the full 10 out of 10, but I'm going for 9.5 out of 10. It's very solid rating for myself. All right, Kelsey. You don't want to go next? No. <laughs> first time you can ever go to last. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was kind of like creepy in a lot of ways, which was like kind of good timing right after Halloween. Um, it was kind of gripping the whole time. Like I felt like I was paying attention. Um, the villains were interesting and creepy but also kind of like you don't really know how bad they actually are at least in my opinion they don't seem so bad to me I mean the concept of them is creepy but I mean it's not like they actually ate anybody or killed anybody really um and I thought the acting was really good I kind of liked not seeing the doctor as much because (laughs) not that I have anything against the doctor but it was just like a different type of episode and one that I felt like I kind of connected with a little bit more because it wasn't as, like, hokey, I guess, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess I would give this one a 9 out of 10. All right. I think this one just, like, really well encapsulates, you know, sort of all the time travel concepts in, in Doctor Who, you know, in the, in the way that's whole shaped. I mean, it's, it's often used as an episode to introduce people to Doctor Who because... It's very standalone, It's uh, and it really goes through this whole time travel thing, and it is gripping. Um, I think this is great. I think all the characters were really great, and you know, really felt for them. And I just thought that the writing was phenomenal, the direction was phenomenal. It was all great. Um, I'm going to give this one a 10 out of 10. Um, before we sign off, I just wanted to qualify 
what I when I met by like hokey, I kind of met like a lot of the one-off episodes for Doctor Who can be very much like hokey episodes, sure, and this sure. one is more of like a actually good. Right. Yeah. A lot of the one-offs are kind of fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, it's supposed to be more lighthearted. They're yeah. supposed to be a little bit more fun. Yeah, they're fun and silly and goofy and, like, sometimes a little bit dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. No, so, that, I mean, that's what I meant. Well, that's personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, you guys. While our co-hosts go on a trip across space and time zones... We'll be taking a brief hiatus, but as we said before, we'll be back in a few weeks, few to several. Uh, but thanks for joining in, uh, us right here. You can go back in time through all the episodes that you may have missed in the past years and months. You haven't been intently watching and listening, so um, go back through the archives. Share us on, on the Facebook. Like us there. Tell your friends, your mother. Um, you know, Tell your future grandson about us. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.